Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. In this podcast, we talk about an early cup exit for Borough, a battling point against Sheffield United, movement on the transfer front, and of course, we answer your podcast questions. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast, and grab a cool drink, because this is all your Borough Matchday chatter in a pot. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Hello and welcome back to the Borough Breakdown podcast with Dana, Tom and the returning Elliot Venice, where the Borough podcast that gives you all of your Borough match day chat in a podcast. So guys, four games in all competitions, two defeats, two draws. want to get both of your opinions on this. Uh, how are you both feeling about Borough's start? Tom, we'll start with you. Uh, meh, I think is the word to sum it up at the moment. I'd have loved it if we'd have really kind of hit the ground running at the start of the season. Obviously, uh, Johnny from the Shoreham View was on earlier this week, uh, reminding us that Wilder never starts uh, well to a season. Obviously, we all remember a Tony Pulis Borough team beating them 3-0 at the Riverside, and we all remember how that season turned out for for both teams. But um, no, I'd like to see us at least get a win by now. Um, there are positive signs, I think, from playing, but it's it's yet to to really click, I think. Els? Yeah, I think I think I echo Tom's thoughts. I'm not overly panicked yet, to be honest. I think, um, you know, out of the four games, I think there's been some uh, moments where it has been fairly poor, but I think we can obviously see that there's certain improvements compared to last season. Um, and we've talked you know, extensively. I think, you know, everyone on Twitter seems to know, but I think in general, we know that the squad's not being sort of incomplete um, and it will be that way until the end of August. And I think a lot of squads are in, in the same position, but it obviously just looks worse when you look at the table and you see no wins, you see some of the goals we've conceded. Um, but yeah, perhaps a little bit of the same, a little bit meh. Yeah, it's very much, I mean, the, the title of this podcast is Trust the Process. And I feel like what you said there, Els, about the incomplete squad, it, it's going to throw up performances like we've seen. You know, I thought we were good in the first half against West Brom, not so good in the second. Bit of a reverse there, switch at, at QPR. Barnsley game, I think we had the chances to to put them away. We didn't. Um, so I think old 
habits are kind of coming back, but then it's understandable because we do we do have an incomplete squad and that will change. But I spoke about that Barnsley game there. We'll, we'll suppose jump into that now. Uh, but of course, knocked out of the League Cup uh, in the first round for the second year running after Josh Benson struck late to clinch the win for Tarn. Els, what did you make of that game? Um, I must say that the first half was easily one of the worst halves of football I think I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> uh, I've probably said that a hundred times about the Borough, but um, yeah, it was just very devoid of quality. Um, I can't really remember many chances. I think Watmore got put through one goal and just sort of toddied out mm. the keeper. Um, second half, there was sort of a, a bit more improvement. I think we were pretty much camped in, in their half um, for, for most of that second half. And obviously it was a, a little bit of a late sucker punch um, at the end. Um, but I'm not too disappointed. I mean, um, I know people really like the Cups and I think if I was to say out of both of them, I think the FA Cup is much more prestigious and I'd rather us not quite in the first round in that tournament. But I think the Carabao Cup um, is not going to be an aim for championship clubs anyway. Um, we've seen how many of them went out the night before. Um, and I think there's only five left in, in total, is there? Um, so I don't think it's a necessarily a lack of respect from from Wilder. I think it, you know most coaches are in the same position. It's a lot of games in England with the amount of cup competition. So um yeah, disappointing to, to obviously lose and, and still not you know pick up a, a win in general. But um, you know, it's it, it wasn't a bad performance, especially with like people getting a run out, um like Hayden Hackney. Um, Joe Gibson with his little nutmeg as well. Um, <laughs> uh, that was probably one of the, the, the highlights of the game, to be honest. But uh, yeah, it was a, a funny old game. But yeah, yeah. Tom obviously Elliot said there a few players making their appearances, a few young players as well. Five players made their debuts: Liam Roberts, Sonny Finch, uh, Daniel Dodds, Isaac Fletcher, Bryant Belongo. Um, there are also stats for, as Elliot said, Joe Gibson and Hayden Hackney. Who out of that kind of clump of players there impress you in that game? Um, I mean, I wouldn't say impressed with like the full performances, but I would say there's there's areas of of, of the game for a few of them where I, I thought, you know, they, they did really well. Um, I th- still think they're all pretty much uh, quite a way away from the starting 11 or, you know, even the first team squad. But uh, for example, Hayden Hackney, uh, starting in that number six role, I don't think he can play the housing role. Um, I, I don't think he had the defensive awareness or kind of like the, the willingness to, to get stuck into a tackle like housing does. Um, but there was another area of his, of his game where um, you know he, he was looking effortless when he was spraying balls out wide and they were getting so accurate as well. So I think he's he's one, and we've seen it before, you know, the, the Brentford game a couple of years ago. He's definitely got potential. It's just where uh, I don't think it's in the number six position, but possibly one of the number eight positions uh, in a couple of years. Um, Isaac Fletcher, when he came off the bench, he looked really kind of like fearless when he came on. Uh, still quite a way off the first team, but it, it was good uh, to kind of see that from him. He, he had uh, one decent drive through uh, through the midfield uh, after he came on, which was... Uh, you know, he, he got the fans off the face, which was saying a lot for that second half because there wasn't too much actually going on. Um, and I also kind of just give a, 
a shout out to Sonny Finch as well. Uh, thought he looked really positive in the first half. Did put himself a lot uh, about a lot more than Watmore, which isn't a dig at Watmore. I know he's kind of got injury issues and stuff at the moment, but he he looked kind of really eager to impress uh, in, in that uh, front two. And um, you know, not expecting too much from him at the moment. Appreciate he was only like what sixteen a month ago still. So. He's he's done well to to even be at that level where he's getting a start at the Riverside in the first round of the cup anyway. So he, he did everything we could have asked for him in that first half, I think. Yeah, obviously it's disappointing to exit the cup of the first round. And I know Elliot said there about the amount of championship clubs that were knocked out by League One clubs. It's not great, is it? But Johnny tweeted this on the podcast account after the game that it's still good to see these young players get an opportunity and it was met with you know I think we got called a rah-rah podcast I didn't quite understand that um and Elliot you, t- you touched on it a little bit earlier about your reaction to to the, the league cup and obviously some people take it immensely seriously because it of course you know the, the cup that we won back in 2004 but I'm just interested to hear your opinions and, and kind of what you thought immediately after the game having seen Borough defeated in the first round of the League Cup because because for me personally you know I grew up around the time of Borough's Cup success in the Carling Cup but I'm not too I'm one of those fans that are a little bit kind of chill about the early rounds of the Cup um, especially in the League One so I'm interested in your opinion on that as well um yeah, I might get some hit from the people who love cup tournaments here and want to win every game going. But as soon as that goal went in, I was literally just crying with laughter um, because <laughs> we were sat there, there were three of us at the game um, and we were like, the only way this game is worth the money I've paid for it is if it goes to penalties. And we kept saying, oh, I can't wait for penalties, can't wait for penalties. And then they scored in the 93rd minute and I was like, oh, well, we got what we wished for. Uh, that's just, that's exactly what we deserve. Um, but yeah, it going on there else <laughs> pretty much yeah um but yeah I mean I wasn't too bothered it was kind of like well I, I yeah there, there's always those two schools of thought isn't it like oh it was a distraction we need to concentrate on the league anyway um or you know you have to love the cup and, and die by the cup but um you know in, in the championship anyway you're not you're not going to get to I know we got to the quarterfinals and it helped um last year in the FA Cup but realistically like you're never going to win the tournament. So it's kind yeah. of like it can come both ways. And I think in early season form when the squad's incomplete, it's probably more of a distraction because you might have, you know, we might pick up injuries. And if we got through and we ended up then drawing, I don't know, a good championship club, say in the, in the next round, Norwich or something, um, we'll be expected to put out a little bit of a better team. Um, we then pick up a, an injury to Isaiah Jones. It then derails the season a little bit. So um, for me, I, I wasn't too fussed about about the defeat um, in all honesty so yeah well, we would have played Leeds in the next round had we got through Leeds, so okay. yeah that's a bit of a yeah. <laughs> either or I suppose a um, little bit indifferent yeah. for from my side anyway but I mean there was a massive meltdown on Twitter which is kind of to be expected sometimes to be honest um, Tom can you understand that concern from the Borough fans after that game a little bit, but you know, it's only from the the standpoint of it's not nice losing, and there might have been a lot of kind of knee jerk reactions afterwards. Being realistic, heavily rotated squad, uh, as Elias just said, there it, it can be a bit more of a distraction, especially to a championship who's, uh, club who was supposed to be aiming high uh, in the early stages of the season. Uh, you know, lo- looking at the starting midfields. 
Um, our, our starting three from previous game, House and McGrain Crooks played no part in that game whatsoever. It was a fully rotated midfield. Um, I, I just I, I feel like that at the moment, I'd be a lot more bothered about it if we were in the Premier League. I think when you're in the Premier League, the Carabao Cup, if you're like, say, uh, Crystal Palace, Southampton, Newcastle, it's a chance for silverware and it's a chance to you know get yourself into Europe and stuff for us. Although it is that, realistically, it, it would be very difficult for us to win it. And I'd personally rather we rotated the squad, give the the young players some some experience of playing in the first team, uh, you know, playing in front of a crowd at the Riverside. Um, and, and then if we're going to have a cup run, I'd always prefer it to be the FA Cup anyway, personally, just because. That's the one we've not seen us win yet. So, <laughs> and and if you're in the if you're in the Premier League as well, um, you've more likely got you know that the rotated squad is likely going to be of better quality. Our rotated squad, you know, some of those players who were in uh, who came in from the under twenty threes and under eighteens, um, you know, maybe you know if they do go out on loan or if they already have been out on loan, they've probably been at perhaps lower levels than League One anyway. Um, so it's kind of like it's only a championship club playing against a League One club. It's a it's a cluster of players who may have dotted around in League Two, um, perhaps even the National League, um, the Scottish leagues. So it's not really a, a, a first borough team that have lost to to Barnsley. Um, but like I say, I think for those meltdowns on on social media that you mentioned, I think they're always going to happen. We're either um, super high or super low on on social media. You just get the two extremes. Um, Always, um, I think I remember reading the first thing when I came out after the Banzai game saying Wilder and Bowser need to go tomorrow morning, and I was kind of like, <laughs> "Come on, you've got." Is that from Martin Cole by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember that. <clears throat> but I mean, to be honest, there there usually is early season because I feel like there's a massive existential crisis that happens on social media when there is kind of you know. We're building blocks. It very much is an incomplete squad, as we've said. And to be honest, I emotionally checked out after that Barzi game. I was just sat there watching Powerpuff Girls because I just couldn't be bothered to kind of deal with all of the <laughs> the criticisms um, that was that were going on. But I mean, a, a much better post-match reaction after the game today against Sheffield United. Bora came back from behind twice to take a point from the Blades with a double from the rejuvenated Tuba Akpom. Uh, Chris Wilder said after the game that it was a proper game of football. Uh, what was your guys' assessment of it? Els, do you want to go first? Yeah, I think it was um, it was a, a proper game of football compared to to Wednesday. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, I think we showed quality. Um, I think we we really stood up and, and fought against a, a really good team in this division. You know, they were very close um, to getting promoted last year. That you know, that that game against Nottingham Forest in the playoffs last year was you know went down to penalties pretty much, which is is a lottery. Um, so I thought that they were really good today, Sheffield United. And I was quite wary going into the game with the the form that we'd already had, thinking you know this could be if you know this could be another defeat. Um, and not that we expected it almost, but they are a tough outfit. So I'm really pleased that we came from sort of came from behind twice because I think each time, especially with the good when a, a team brings a good following to the Riverside, the fans really get behind it, and you kind of like you feel like it, the world's against you if you if you're on the pitch at the Riverside, and the, the away fans are going a bit mad. Um, so yeah, I, I thought we thought we you know really dug in there and and done well. Um, Signs of improvement, but overall, I'm pleased with the point. Tom? 
Yeah, I uh, definitely agree with uh, what Wilder said about it being like a proper game of football. Um, you know, I'd, I'd everything in terms of the physicality you'd want in a game. The referee was very good at thought in terms of like letting certain things go. Um, it was a, a, even a quite a fun moment uh, just in front of where I was sat, where Wilder was having a, a proper war of words with uh, Chris Basham at one point, which was uh, <laughs> quite funny. Um only kind of like criticism from from our side is the slow start again. Uh, I think that just really needs addressing. Thankfully, it was only you know around eight minutes this time rather than forty five last week. But um, you know we, we showed good character to equalise twice. Um, could have gone either way in the end. Uh, you know we were potentially unlucky not to win when what more at the post at the end. But um, yeah, overall uh, a draw was a fair result. I think just because. When when Giles put it in the back of the net, I was just like, they've not deserved that at all. Uh, mm. So I, I was worried there about a you know two one loss that potentially we didn't deserve. But um, yeah, it, it was good for for Akpom to get that second, and can't complain with a draw by the end of the game. I love that moment after Giles scored the own goal. Of course, I didn't enjoy the own goal, but the the East Stand just rose because you could see he was absolutely devastated. They they. I mean, it was a great finish, to be fair. Uh, Chris Wilder did say that after the game. Um, it's just a really bad clearance, wasn't it? And it goes in the back of the net. But there was just this moment where literally everybody in the East End just stood up and, and just gave him a, an applause, you know, like keep your chin up. And um, I think that was, it was a proper battle, wasn't it, today? And I think the crowd definitely played a part in that because it was when the chips were down, really kind of connecting back with the team and just giving them that opportunity to to like you know breathe a sec and, and you know fry in the first half was just saying calm down like and the the crowd definitely played a part in the fight back just, I think. just to kind of add on to that as well after that second goal it was pretty much a water break straight away yeah, um, and just in front of where I was you could kind of really see who the leaders were uh, in that team, you know, Lenahan was kind of pretty much shouting to to everyone to to kind of wake up. And as Giles came over, you could keep, kind of see them saying, "Get your chin up." Same as what the crowd were doing on the other side. It was good to see the team spirit as well. There, I think yeah, that's he... what is pleasing about it. When when he scored that, normally there's a bit of like you'll see someone being like, "It's oh, just to be yeah. like, what, what yeah. we don't like." Even Stefan just remained calm and he just kind of like patted him on the shoulder. I was like, "It's all right, it's fine." Um, and it, it's really warming to see when you know you, you clearly know it's just a, a mistake. So yeah, he, he tweeted after the game, didn't he? Just apologise, and I was just like, "It's absolutely fine. Like <laughs> I will still share my Harry Potter star mix with still, Ryan Giles. Still love you, Ryan Giles. <laughs> yeah, very much so. But I mean, a few changes before the game. Matt Crooks uh, ill, so get well soon to the tree. Uh, Paddy McNair got the nod in midfield. He hasn't always in impressed in that position at least for me anyway um Els what did you think of, of how we fared in that position in that number eight position I thought he was okay um I think when Crooks uh, fell ill I thought it was probably the right decision by Wilder to do that because I think not so much on on McNair but I think Jones benefits from having a senior as we've uh, I'm sure I've heard you guys talking about it before um having someone senior over that right hand side of midfield um, you've seen it obviously pay off for the first goal of McNair playing Jones in. Um, so I, I thought he linked up pretty well on that side. I thought he was you know, very much box to box how he always has been when he's played in centre midfield positions. Um, yeah, a little bit out of position sometimes, but I think it was more to us getting stretched on the break a lot and then people were out of positions in general. So that was a decent performance from him in that role. 
Tom, can you see him playing there more regularly in that number eight position? Because there's a potential there to, to kind of cross off the immediate need for one in the transfer window, because we do have a lot of business still to do. Um, not for me, but I, I was actually thinking about this during the game, and I do think he's going to be one of those players who's going to be viewed of kind of like a utility player this season, uh, being able to play multiple positions. I think he's going to be able to fill in there at times. Uh, same as you know, I, I think we, we'll be going all out for a left-sided centre-back, but I still think Ball is going to be the second choice there, uh, and second choice at left wing back. So, you know, there's, there's going to be quite a few players I think who are going to be important in filling quite a few positions uh, through the season. McNair, I think, will be one of them. I don't expect to see him as as number eight too much. I, I did think he was better when we made the changes in midfield and he dropped back to right sided centre back. Um, but I, I, you know, he, he did okay uh, when he was at uh, number eight as well. Yeah, he's definitely better in that right side of position, isn't he? And, and probably even on the left as well. I know last season I kind of said a few times he got caught out that maybe his positioning was a little bit bad because he's not comfortable, not not necessarily as comfortable on his left as he is on the right, but he's definitely better in defence, in my opinion. Um, Els, the opener from Sander Burge, I mean, a, a player with great quality. We all know this. Uh, within three minutes of the game, really disappointing, as Tom's obviously said, what could Borough have done to prevent that goal? Because I remember shouting in my seat, I was like, close him down, close him down, get tied to him, and then obviously he scores. So I was like, Great. Yeah, yeah. I think with I think with Sander Berge, it was almost like he's the he's too good for this division. It's almost like he makes it look easy. Um there was times where I was just watching him and he just he he, he could just he could speed it up and slow it down. It was it was it was up, up to him. No one would have stopped him. Um, so I think I think obviously marking would have just been uh, you know the main point. But I think even then his strength he was absolutely bullying Riley the Great throughout that game. Um, he's gonna be having nightmares about him tonight. But um, I think in general, you know, the, 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 I think the slow start um, to the game that, that Tom mentioned. I think we just weren't awake and we were thinking, well, we're not going to create an opportunity from it. Um, great strike from him as well but I think you, you, like you say you just need to get tighter have people in and around and keep it compact at least in the first few minutes um, and not be so lax about it I think maybe they come out the, the sort of know the fans are behind them because the past two games we've had 25,000-ish there um, and just thinking alright well, we're well up for this today but when opposition comes with quality um, they're going to punish you straight away if you're not on it Mm, I mean, Chris Willett scored within 13 minutes of the game against QPR, so still um, relatively early-ish. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. And you know what Sandra Burge absolutely screams at Atalanta, in my opinion? Like, absolutely screams it. I don't know if he's played mm. for them before in another alternate universe, but he's definitely going to... I think he played for Durham. Genk, was it, before they signed him? Is that, is that, if you know that time, yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, so similar, well. similar kit colour, if we're going with that. I was going to say, if it, if it was a future transfer, do you think he's keeping Martin Daroon out of that team? <laughs> <laughs> the wave breaker, absolutely <laughs> not. But I mean, the equaliser was was brilliant, wasn't it? Really slick played on that right-hand side, the likes of which we're, we've been accustomed to, especially last season. Dyke Steele, McNair and Jones all involved. And it was a lovely way through ball from McNair to Jones. Uh, he continued his run off the back of, of Max Law um, as we you know, always sort of see that sort of movement between 
those three players. Uh, that ball along the floor, which Jones loves in the six-yard box, and Atpom was there to convert from close range. Really love that goal. Um, it's everything that I think we know from Chris Wilder and we want to see more of. So hopefully we can see more of that because we have had a few questions and tweets and I've seen a lot on social media about that right-hand side not being as good as it was last season. But Tom... Jones did seem to be targeting that space between Max Law, the left wing back, and then Reese Norrington Davies, the left centre back. Um, I've seen a, f- a few mixed sort of responses to Jones's performance. I thought in the first half, he looked definitely t- to target him, as I said. The final ball was a little bit lacking. Um, but did you see enough today to be confident that we'll see the Jones of old? Because there has been question marks over him so far this season. Yeah, I did. I, I just think there was quite a few times where he is showing that ability. Um, uh, you know, it was a good run for the opener, uh, good ball across. And in terms of like closing down, pressing, being aggressive in the tackle, it was very re- reminiscent of early last season. Uh, the, the game that kind of stands out to me for that was uh, the first home game last season, Bristol City. Uh, you know, he got his first start and when he was playing on that wing, uh, very kind of efficient in in winning the the ball back. He he did seem, you know, in glimpses back to that this year. And um, you know, there was a point today where I can't for the life of me understand why the Sheffield United player left it, but the ball had gone up the right hand side. And it was like the defender was just jogging back mm, and he I remember he, that, yeah. It, it was over the other side of the stadium, so I kept couldn't see who it was, but it was like Jones had made like a Gareth Bale-esque run off the pitch and then yeah. rammed him and got the ball back. Like, I, I, I think there's enough there to show that he can get back to that stage. It's just, uh, you know, the, the consistency he needs to work on, I think. Yeah, yeah I, I did think... That... Sorry, Daniel, I'll, I'll let you go. <laughs> no, I was just about to say, I do think that was a, a weakness of Sheffield United's that left-hand side of theirs. Um, in fairness to Reece Norrie and Davies, he did do well in the, the game that we got absolutely tonked 4-1 off them last season at Bramall Lane, but it, it was a weakness there. I just feel like his foul ball was letting him down, but go on, Els, what were you going to say? Yeah, I was just going to touch on with him that I think consistency is a weird one because I feel like he became pretty much the key player for us last season. Um, and then when he had the injury, he sort of just came back in it. I don't know if it was maybe just the intensity straight away, if he didn't want to just get another injury, kind of have that niggling thought in the back of your mind. Um, but it's almost like his form dissipated with, with the teams. It was almost like he was in a purple patch and he was, wasn't thinking, he was just doing. <laughs> and I think that's what he, he needs sometimes. He just needs to be a little bit instinctive because we see sometimes he tries to like overthink it and that's where his poor delivery will happen, where he'll just kick it straight at the person in front of him. Um, whereas I think he just needs to you know, get his head down, try and lead the bomb on and beat them. Um, and you know, Like I said, just be instinctive and, and, and do it faster because that's where his, his ability lies um, he's not a not like a central midfielder where they're, they're super smart on the ball they're going to pick up the best pass so this is his second season at championship level and it's easy to forget that because of the high standards that he set last season he was undoubtedly one of the best attacking forwards in the division um, at a point last season and I think before that it was only really at Queen of the South that he had much of an opportunity because he certainly didn't get it I think it was at another Scottish club wasn't he it was I think it was at Kilmarnock it's going to happen that he's going to go through these peaks and troughs he, he is a relatively young player still uh, I mean he's 23 it's not you know, he's not like a baby or anything like that. He's certainly not an infant. But at the same time, his experience in this division is definitely not 
he's not a seasoned performer, is he? So he's going to have those sort of ups and downs. And I think with Jones, unlike with Giles, his game does kind of revolve around the players around him, like the the Crooks and uh, and the Dyke Steel. So if they're off it, there's a light, likelihood that that Jones is off it um, as well. But Somebody that a few people have said was off it today was Daryl Lenahan playing in that left-sided centre-back position. Uh, he got turned for the goal that put Sheffield United back into the lead. And I have seen a few comments kind of criticising his, his performance, um, asking a, a few questions of whether he should be there from uh, now on for the foreseeable. Uh, Els, what did you make of Daryl Lenahan's performance today? Would you agree with those criticisms? Slightly, yes. I think he can blow very hot and cold. There's there's moments where um, he was winning, you know, winning a lot of headers. He was, um, you know, getting a lot of blocks, doing the, the things that you you want from from one of your defenders. And I was kind of like, you know, Daryl Lennon's great. And then he'd do something like that, and I was like, what is he doing? Um, and I think maybe I don't know if it's just uh, again, uh, I don't know if we're, we're trying to find excuses almost, um, but again, maybe not accustomed to. Um, you know, the familiarity of the team, you know, the, the more or the, the 11 or the, you know, 14, 15 that are going to be regulars in the team play week in, week out almost. You sort of get used to the position you should be in just sort of that muscle memory. Um, and maybe he has been shifted about a bit. He keeps switching from left to centre based on um, the different players we've had in and out so far. Um, you know, he's maybe just catching himself out of positions. I, I wasn't overly, uh, you know, I'm not going to, sit here and panic and say um, he's the worst we want him out of the team because I like to give people and things time as you know goes with the name of this is uh, trust the process so I'll trust the Lenahan process. In fairness to him he did redeem himself uh, with the assist for Akpom's second goal as did Giles with a wonderful delivery uh, the kind of pre-assist if you will. Uh, Wilder said after the game about Akpom he had to convince me I'm not going to beat around the bush but he's done that. Um, is this it now for Akpom, Tom? Do you think he'll stay at Borough? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, all the sounds after the game were positive around it. And, you know, even, um, you know, QPR, um, I think Wilder did say, like, you know, he's done kind of as much as he can. And, you know, getting two goals today pretty much cements that. Um, I still think, you know, we're, we're in for another striker. Um, I, I do. I'm starting to think though, if we are to get rid of a striker, it's probably no longer looking like it's going to be Akpom. I think it's more probably Watmore. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I think Akpom is probably going to be sticking around because you know I, I think in terms of linking up with the midfield and and you know having that goal scorer in touch as well, he's really put himself around well in these first few few games and. You know, he doesn't look like a, a player whose whose head wasn't in it or anything like that. He looked like a player who will point to prove. Yeah, he's definitely earned his place to uh, impress further. I mean, listen, I think we have to rename the present place, the Tube Rat Pom present place for the foreseeable <laughs> because he's in there for me again uh, this week. Of course, the present place is a place where we give praise to any player a fan, chips and curry. Johnny really wanted me to mention that in the podcast notes. Um, but who gets both of your nominations this week? Elliot, I'll start with you. Um, can I also go with that pump? Or do we have Absolutely, to go? go for it. <laughs> yeah, it might I'll be a full house. Um, yeah, just just purely, you know, every, everything that you guys said, 
there. Um, I was thinking sort of when we were we talking at the game, me and a friend, we were um, just kind of joking like if he bags a hat trick at the end, we're going to get Akpom on the back of our Borough <laughs> shirts. Um, <laughs> but it was all, it was just like for him to to come back off loan, and obviously um, he was at. Was he at the same club before? Um, he was at Pauk. Pauk. Yeah, and then he yeah. obviously came to us and then obviously went back on loan there. Um, you know, from a from a, a guy who was obviously living down in London as well when he was being at um, Arsenal. Um, you know, to sort of, sort of move about. Um, he won't have had a settled place, especially when you go on loan. You know, you're only going on loan if you, you're going to be coming back. Um, to come back, settle in on the borough, put in a hundred percent graft, and you know you, the manager might not really fancy you. You kind of like you weren't one of the ones who was there last season. You know you kind of nailed in the team, um, and he's came back in. He's got the two goals today. Um, weirdly, I thought he did have the, an assist, um, but when I was looking on a few different apps for that first game in West Brom, mm. he doesn't seem to have an assist anymore. Wherever that's just yeah, I think it came off. It came off like a jive for or something. I mean, it's a lot of nonsense. Right. Really. It was. An, I think yeah, I'm going to clear yeah. it as an assist. Pretty so much fly as with an, that. an assist, and obviously played played well um, against QPR as well. Um, yeah, I think he'll be one of Chris Wilder's four or, or five now. I don't think he'll be he'll be going anywhere. Hopefully, that doesn't mean when the window shuts, he <laughs> he decides to switch it off. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think um, he he was really good today, and I hope, I hope that continues. Tom, who gets in your present place? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a full house for Akpom. Um, you know, like I say, he's put himself around it incredibly well. Um, I, I am kind of enjoying seeing that from him at the moment, enjoying seeing him play. There was a point we were 2-1 down and I actually uh, made a commitment on Twitter. Uh, Jamie D had messaged us saying, at this moment in time, the only way I can see us getting any genuine excitement out of this season is one of you's making a rash promise to get a backside tattoo. And I replied <laughs> to him saying, yep, yeah, might be the seller in me talking, but oh, I'm ready no. to take him to the team. And he started to say, like, oh, portrait of Tuba Rathbone or something like that. So, <laughs> don't know what I've got myself into here, but I think it's like if uh, if, if Tuba hits 20 goals, it, it might happen. So. Oh, that's never happening. <laughs> I think it's there, Tom. Well, he scored about 10 minutes after, so that was me going, oh, I'm, I'm worried now. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> he's done he's done so well though. I mean his interview after the game was was fantastic, wasn't it? And and we shouldn't be surprised because I went back, there was a conversation about our strikers on the telegram chat uh, earlier in the summer. And I went back to his interview when he first signed for Middlesbrough and it was good as well then. You know, he spoke so well and so eloquently, but also so honestly as well. And the interview after the game today with Mark Jury of BBC Tees was absolutely fantastic. He said, Listen, you know, I know that a lot of people expected me not to be here and, and myself included, but he's just, you know, he's worked hard. He's, he's come back um, with very little prep actually for the season. And he's been fantastic. He's probably been our most impressive player the past three games, three league games. So he definitely gets my praise as well. But we'll move on to a list of questions now. And this is where you get to ask us those burning questions. Like, where do we send an apology letter to Tube Rat Pom, like Chris has done? Uh, you can send us whatever is on your mind through Twitter, at Borough underscore Breakdown, Facebook, Instagram, email theboroughbreakdown at hotmail.com and on Telegram too. Uh, before we get into them, I just want to shout out and say thanks to Lee Howe, who sent us a nice email earlier this week. He said, uh, I absolutely love your podcast. I always listen to it on my dog walks. Uh, so thanks to Lee for that. I hope his dog actually enjoys our podcast as well as him, because uh, that would be quite sad. Um, but else, Ty and, and Ed asked similar questions. We've got another few questions about this, actually. But 
after that game, how important is it to get in a left-footed centre-back? Yeah, I think I think that is critical. I think someone needs to make that position their own. Um, we've had three people in that position so far this season. Well, actually four, because I don't know if you, you guys noticed that the Barnsley game, um, we somehow had, I think, Fry playing there. We had them in a really weird um, way of playing and we switched it fairly fairly quickly when Barnsley had a few chances in the first half. Um, so I think I think we need someone settled in that position who actually has a, a left foot. Um, and I think Bola, <laughs> to be fair, Bola had some good, good, um, good sort of moments today in the game but he does look a little bit suspect and I think what we've said before um, about um, having Bola and Dyke Seal as part of the back three it's not like an overly tall um, back line um, he's so, six foot one you know <laughs> yes he is the most un six foot six foot one six foot one person I've ever met um, but yeah I think in terms of like you know if you're, if you're playing both of them you, you've just got the the Lenahan who acts like the, the defence tree almost um, so I think um, I think we need to get someone in who's you know good on the ball progressive um, but also good in the air as well um, and I think that then helps free up Paddy McNair to fill in um, inevitably when there's going to be um, injuries and um, playing side of Tuesday because very much last season um, I thought you know the players are going to be absolutely Knackered. Um, there was moments where you know we Johnny House must have played about fourteen games on the spin, and um, because no one else could be you know, no one else as, as backups. And I think you know McNair can even fill in that position as well if it's um, you know games where it's maybe not as critical or you know the the opposition maybe isn't as good as Sheffield United for example. So I think it's a, it's a critical position for us because it not just solves that problem, it then fixes that the, what you may be talking about earlier of like do we then perhaps need another midfielder. Um, hmm. So I think it might help multiple things. Yeah, fair point. Jacob Greaves, come to Middlesbrough, please. Uh, but okay. Tom, Paul Williams asks, should we be concerned with the lack of creativity coming from the middle of the park? McGree looking a long way off the pace compared to how he was bossing games in pre-season. Yeah, I think a, a little bit. I mean, like like we said earlier, it, it's only a few games and I don't think anyone's properly hit the stride yet. Um, McGree, I did think struggled a little bit with the create uh, with the physicality of the game today. Um, I, I don't think it was a, a game that was very well suited for him, and you know f- felt a lot more confident when Moet came on and he was playing that left side because he looked so much more kind of assured on the ball there. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of the right hand side, you have the the link up between Crooks, Dyke, Steele, and Jones. Um, you know, we, we missed that today, I think. Um, left-hand side, yeah, there just wasn't a, a lot of, of room for, for McGree to play, but it's a very small sample size at the moment. I'm sure we uh, we will be able to sort that out, especially with, with now having uh, Morton as a midfield addition as well. I think a lot of the, I think a lot of time we just wanted to touch on that because I think when people ask about creativity from the middle of the park, it, it sort of cropped up a few times, I think. Um I think in our formation and the way Chris Wilder sets up his teams, it's likely the two main creative outlets are Giles and Jones anyway. So I don't think we should be too worried that assists maybe don't come from the midfield, that they're going to be the the pre-assists. I don't think it necessarily has to be, the the burden has to be on those because I don't think that's how the formation is set up to be. Um, So just I'd I'd probably just say to people not to worry too much about 
the, the lack of that really. Yeah, I, th- I think McGree showed last year that he did have it in his locker as well in terms of the the creativity and being able to pick a pass. But it, it's uh, like you, like you say there, he's not one of the the more focal points of of being creative. And I think in games like today, where you know he's pretty much been marked out of the game and shoved around quite a lot, then. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're not going to be looking for that creativity from from there. It'll be from other areas, but there'll be other games where he's going to get more time on the ball and he will be able to be more creative. Well, sticking with you, Tom, Luan's asked, from a stylistic point of view, do you think it's an issue with Force being so far removed from build-up play? Uh, he's completed five passes in two games. Do you reckon it could put an over-reliance on his strike partner? Potentially. Um, I don't know. Um, looking back um, at Wilder at Sheffield United, I've heard you know quite a lot in terms of McGoldrick being the kind of the hold-up striker and linking the, the midfield and attack, and you know Billy Sharp or whoever else was playing on the other side being the kind of more natural finisher of the two. Um, so potentially, Wilder's trying to recreate that with someone who's purely a finisher, um, which I, I think we all knew about Force when he came in. That you know that that's pretty much what he is—a very much kind of a six-yard box style striker. Um, would like to see him get involved a bit more because there were points at, in t- today's game where I did forget he was on the pitch at times because <laughs> he just he, he wasn't involved. And then there might be like a long ball over the top, but he's not fast enough to to get to that when the defense have you know five ten yards head start on him. So. You know, I'd like to see him get involved more. Um, but I, I do think the other striker is is probably going to be looked at as, you know, a, a link between the uh, the midfield and attack to maybe enable the, the balls into to force. To be fair, I mean, the, the goal that we scored, the... Um... The first goal that we scored is exactly what Marcus Force wants. It was just to wrap on the put the ball away. You know, you think of the the six yard box. That's that's Marcus Force's territory, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I was gutted about that personally because I had Giles anytime assist and Force anytime goal score, and it was the <laughs> other side. So it was Jordan Jones and Akpom who did it. So completely done over my best. But yeah, that that's exactly the the type of thing we want. Uh, it, it just seemed like yeah, it was it was Akpom the one closest to it. It was it was in the right position for the finish. Yeah, it's good. It's obviously good that we're, we're creating those chances though, because that, as we've said, is exactly what Marcus Force wants. Um, Els Cowell asked, "What do you think we're desperately missing?" I mean, there's a lot of things that I think we are desperately missing at this point, but what do you think we're desperately missing at the moment? Um, I still think, even though you know, perhaps saying that Chibrakpon might have um, filled this uh, gap, um, I still think it is um, strikers. Um, We've seen we do you know, we literally just what you guys were just saying there about Marcus Force about him um going missing um a little bit there. What more um misses far too many big chances um <laughs> yes. for, for for how many he's given. Um so I think someone who is you know really just gonna stick the ball in the back of the net and, and take the opportunities because um I don't wanna say you don't get a lot because you know you do, but I think um especially the ones where the the crystal clear and you think you know that that, could, that should and could be a goal if you really want to get out of this division um you know someone who can take those chances very well um you know that that might be Akpom and, and force in time and perhaps even Matthew Hobby if he if he breaks into the team um but you know I think from 
the, the situations of all that's going on, I think another striker is is more pressing than, than anything else. Well, on to the other end of the pitch. And sticking with you here, Elliot, uh, Bora and that ask, are you surprised how poor we look uh, at the back so far this season? Um, I, w- I wouldn't say I'm surprised. Um, <laughs> I, I, think, I don't think last year we were overly... Um, a defense. I don't think Chris Wilder came in and you know almost like shored it up um, like other oh, managers do. I know we did have that spell where we we sort of did we have like three or four one nil wins over a certain period and we kept clean sheets. But I don't think that was was trying to defend. It was just more so. I think we defended well from the front um, and just just shut people out of the game. Um, I don't think in a Chris Wilder team you're going to be the best defensive outfit. Uh, certainly, so I, I don't think it's surprised me, but there has been some sloppy mistakes so far. But I think that'll be ironed out with time. Um, I think that the rhetoric that we've been saying of like you know Chris Wilder teams don't start very well, it's an incomplete squad, blah blah blah, blah all that type of stuff. I, I I think it's um not not something we should worry too much about, and, and not something that we've been too surprised about. You know, you don't want to sit here as a fan and say you want that happen every week, but um. Yeah, I think it would have been daydreaming to say we come away with three out of four um, clean sheets. I think we'll grab a couple in, in the next um, handful of games. Yeah, I mean, picking up from last season, a theme of that last campaign was Borough shooting themselves in the phone, conceding very poor goals. I think we have seen that in the goals that we have conceded so far this season. But as you said, we're kind of just hoping that that's ironed out. I do feel like this defence is not, set at all at the moment no. we've seen so many it's like musical center halves isn't it you've got makeshift matt yeah. bowler makeshift mark as me and gab called him on the live stream the other day um playing in a position that just isn't i don't think it's his. yeah he, has, he, has, he hasn't he hasn't played it before yeah. Really, so, yeah. exactly um, well i think he played it at, at brentford didn't he but it was very much a, a brentford in the cut where marcus brown did his did his knee and then that's really it so yeah you, you know it's not familiar territory for him so it's very makeshift and I think with that you will see mistakes but obviously we're hoping that they're ironed out because they will become problematic Yeah, like you say, I think with the makeshift defence, I think last season we know where a lot of those um, sloppy errors came from, cough, Joe Lumley um, I, think we, <laughs> you know, I think we know where a lot of it came from I think once, once the defence is um, sorted out and we've got a settled back line, you know, people might come in for injuries and stuff but um, we know Zach Steffen's going to be the number one. Um, hopefully, he doesn't have too many of those Joe Lumley moments as he had at QPR last week. <laughs> um, then I think we should be all right. I think we should concede less than the last season. Um, don't want to pick numbers out because I don't know how many we did concede last season. But hopefully, no more. Um, you know, just balls uh, through the legs like Keen Lewis Potter of Hull. So, well, he was back at it again. Yeah, he was yes, back at it again this weekend, wasn't he? But, you know, we'll forget about Joel Lumley because he's technically not a Millsburg player right now. Uh, but final question from the, the list of questions bunch uh, for Brent Strickland, and I'm interested to see or hear both of your thoughts on this. Um, if you could choose one, who would you choose between Jacob Greaves or Jacob Strand-Larsen? And I know that, uh, Jorgen Strand-Larsen, sorry. I know that they're two completely different positions, but I think what Ben's getting out there is kind of which is the priority. So who would you pick between Jacob Greaves and Strand Larson, Tom? 
For me, Jacob Greaves, um, I think we could probably get away with the strikers that we have now, uh, at least up until January. Um, but if we had to prioritise one of them, Jacob Greaves at the left centre-back position would add a lot of balance uh, to the play on, on that left-hand side and uh, you know, add a lot of balance to the defence as well. I think not only the fact that you know he's left-footed and can get the ball forward, he's a very good defender as well. So I think mm. you add him to a back line with you know, Lenahan and Fry or Lenahan McNair, whatever combination you want to do from our rotating centre-backs and um, you know, I, I think we'd be in a, a pretty good position there. I think, especially adding, say, more in a left centre mid there, I think that would very much balance the side. Um, and then we'd, like I say, have to rely on our strikers to get us through to January, which I'm pretty sure that could do. Els, Greaves, or Strand Larson? Tom makes a, a very good case there, but I think I'm going to have to go Strand Larson. Um, I think as I answered one of the other questions earlier about a striker being slightly more critical than, than the left uh, centre-half. Um, yeah, I'm not, not convinced by um, what more, you know, if he does leave, I don't know where, what that leaves us of potentially getting another one in um, because I don't know if Coburn's admission from not being in the squad as well perhaps means he's getting a lone move potentially. He's I, I'm not sure. Is he injured? Okay. okay. Yeah, for I think two months. Yeah, he picked up yeah, he gets best one. He might be injured past the end Two of the months. transfer window, oh, so right, it okay. might kind of rule out getting a loan for him. Right, yeah, probably, yeah, really well. So, yeah, so then if we end up with four and then he, he you know, makes it back away in the team and he, he might even stick around or go on loan in January. But, yeah, I think that, that makes it even more critical for, for a striker in my eyes. Um, you know, and, and you know, this fours, I think, gets himself in the game a little bit more. Um, I know today was a bit of a, a physical one it's still a very small sample size we're working from but um, I don't know if I've just convinced myself from that two minute highlight trail on Twitter where he scored a red <laughs> kick and, and looked like the bee's knees in, in the Netherlands but um, yeah I think I'd take Strand Larson at least he had that interview earlier where he pretty much said he, he does want to come to Borough and no, I, I was quite shocked at how, like, kind of upfront both the media and the player are, yes. are over in Holland because yeah, I don't think you, could, was, don't think you yeah. could get away with it over here just asking a, a player in the post-match interview how close are you to the transfer to this team and and then him coming back and saying, no, nah, not very close, but, you know, I do want to move. Like, <laughs> Well, I yeah. like the part where he was like, I'm going to make a prediction. You're not going to be here in a week. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, great. <laughs> Great journalism. I, you know what? I I rate it, but uh, he's he's definitely one in it, isn't he? But um, I think I actually agree with with Els. I completely understand both both sides of the coin. But with the strike force that we have now, I don't think it's sustainable. You know, Tube is obviously in a really good moment at the moment, but there's nothing that I've seen kind of before that that would indicate to me that he is the man for the season I think he's in a really good moment at the moment he's in a purple patch and this is absolutely fantastic uh, I really hope that it could continue but sustainable sustainability and, and longevity I just I, I just have some question marks so if we could bring in a strand Larson there is going to be a headline there I think um, yeah. so yeah the, the strikers at the moment I feel like a lot of them are impact substitutes I think it needs to be because I feel like very much now the strike force feels like last season's strike force. There was no standout option. We were very much rotating between them. Um, I mean, you know, the January window wasn't the best to work with. We brought in two loans. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, he's still looking for someone to go. He's even said so, you know, we've left a number nine shirt 
open. Um, he wants someone who is going to come in and, and take that. Because um, at the moment, it very much just feels like we've just got, they're all very the same level. Uh, you know, I don't want to bring Chubrak pump down from the praising place mantle, but um, it's, it, it, like we keep saying, it's a, it's a um, small sample size. So I don't want to say like he is now um, going to be that. I think we'll still be looking for another one. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, sticking with transfers, we'll dip our toes into the, the kind of transfer market. Two in this week and one out. Uh, we do have a lowdown video on Matthew Hoppy, so if you want to check that out, uh, you can do so. But we won't go into uh, signing him on this episode. But we will speak about Alex Moore, uh, a player that Borough were keen on 12 months ago when his contract was expiring at Barnsley. Um, we finally got him now, season-long loan. Um, how are you feeling about that signing, Tom? Very happy. Uh, you know, that was great news to wake up to yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I think I woke up about an hour after it had been announced and I had all these messages on my phone. Going, oh, my God, we've got more. I'm like, what, am I still dreaming? <laughs> um, but no, very happy with that. I think as a as a replacement for Tav, uh, you know, like Wilder said yesterday, it's not exactly like for like. Uh, but he does have a lot of experience in this uh, division. And for me, I've actually, you know, rated him since he was back at Leeds. I remember him playing at the Riverside for Leeds against us and having a, a pretty good game there as well. I think, you know, when he came on today, very assured on the ball. Uh, looks like he's going to be able to offer something uh, on that left-hand side. So just looking forward to seeing what he can do going forward. I think, um, you know, in terms of consistency, I'm hoping he can kind of take over for having that. I, I do think McGree might, you know, get some games which are more suited to him, might play as number 10 or like in a, you know, different position in the midfield. But I think at that left side, centre mid uh, position, Moore is probably uh, one for that position. Plus, I, I really like that he's number four. It's very Steven Gerrard and I'm, I'm a big <laughs> fan of it. Els, happy with Moore? Yeah, I think it was a really good sign. I think um, West Brom fans on social media seem to be saying, uh, you know, we didn't want him anyway and, you know, he's rubbish and all this and that. But <laughs> They all say know, that, he, don't they? Yeah, you know, he wouldn't let anyone go. Yeah, we didn't care about him. But um, <laughs> I think it was, uh, I think, you know, I think I believe he's 27. So, you know, he's at a very good um, age, uh, sort of his, his career should be that, you know, the peak of his physical powers uh, um, uh, and whatnot. So, I think to get someone in um, in a season-long loan, people have, you can't emulate it until you know what's happened from the season, but people are talking similar things of like, you know, Jed Spence going a lot in the forest. He could be a revelation for us this year, but it is almost like signing, um, you know, if we, you know, if we had to sign him permanently, um, it would cost us, uh, you know, uh, quite a bit of money, I would say, to, especially just because we're in the same division as West Brom that we sell into a direct rival. I think to get him on loan for a season, um, see what he's all about, and then you know whatever transpires from the season, it could end up turning into a permanent transfer in the future. Um, if it works out that it's a, it's a good loan move, um, so I think good business really all round from us. I didn't ex- I didn't sort of see it coming really. I was like, who are we? I didn't see a lot of links from midfielders when Tav left. So very welcome addition. Are you surprised then that West Brom have let him go to a promotion rival? Because that's what I've seen from their fans. They're a little bit, it's a little bit of a head scratcher to to kind of strengthen somebody that they could be competing and probably will be competing for promotion with else. Yeah, it's a bit of a funny one. I think, um, you know, but I guess we don't know the goings on inside West Brom, but it's one of those where Mbibb Mowat thinks he should be more of a starter and, and, you know, he maybe feels he's, Maybe you know, like a fourth in the pecking order, and he's thinking, "Well, this ain't this ain't good enough." 
Um, for me, I, I'm good enough to play play for West Brom. And then it, I think conversations maybe just happen from there, isn't it? Of kind of like, well, okay, we'll find you a loan move um, if you're not particularly happy. And it's it's a, a weird one. I think sometimes when teams are building squads of kind of like you don't want too many senior people in one position because then everyone is going to want to play. So I think we've benefited from perhaps. Um, you know, other players may perhaps coming through at West Brom, or they're having too many people stacked in that position, um, and it's worked out well for us because it's, um, you know, we've got a really good player on a really good financial deal for us, which I think we've done quite well financially this summer with with um, our transfers, which can't be said for for many transfer windows <laughs> over the last few years. Um, and I think it makes sense all around. If it ends up being not a great loan move, then you know we haven't forked out any money for it. Um, and if we, we, we have, then, you know, if it turns out to be a good move, then, you know, that's great. Well, Tom, this week saw a departure as well with Uche Ikpiezu joining Konya Sport on a permanent transfer. Uh, was it the right decision from Bora to move Uche on? Unfortunately, yeah, I'm gutted. <laughs> I think, um, you know, everyone who, who listens knows I'm a big fan of Uche. Um and, you know, Johnny will know from playing footy with me on a Friday night, I absolutely <laughs> modelled my game off that man. Uh, so, yeah, gutted, gutted. But I'm, I'm glad that he's he's going somewhere where he's going to get football. A um, little bit unsure on the deal because, you know, it's it's been reported no fee but a 20% sell-on. Um, you know, we, we must have kind of like really just wanted to, to get him to go and there must have been no other option in that case. Um, but, yeah, I mean... Glad that he's able to kind of continue his career. Um, I, I think, you know, in, in terms of like him as a as, as a person and a character, he he summed it up well in that Instagram post that he put out as soon as he moved, and you know that Q and A a few a uh, few weeks ago. Wilder was saying, look, he goes with the best wishes of everyone here. He's as a lad, he's absolutely top class. He just doesn't fit into the system. Um, so yeah, sad times, but uh, glad that we've uh, moved him on. Tom cries into his chicken curry tonight. <laughs> Cheers, Gibble. Sun's growing. <laughs> <laughs> well, focus quickly shifts to Wednesday night where Borough travelled to the Bet365 Stadium, or the Pigsty, as Neil Warnock once called it, uh, to play store. We dialed in with Ben from the YYY Files to give us an insight on the Potters. Hey, guys. My name's Ben. I'm from Stoke City Podcast, the YYY Files. And Johnny's asked me to preview our game, Stoke City versus Middlesbrough, on Wednesday night. Uh, my thoughts on the season so far? Well, I know it's a small sample size, but Stoke are a little bit downheartened, to, to put it politely. Um, we had a terrible preseason, which was followed up by a rather terrible performance against Millwall as well. Um, just gifting them goals from set pieces and creating nothing ourselves. That changed against Blackpool. We... We play quite well, play some good ones football, uh, which was required like to, to settle down the home fans because um, I think you know it could have been really hostile if we'd have lost that game. Um, we got knocked out to Morecambe in the League Cup. Um, seems like every championship team got knocked out to a League One club, though. Um, and Huddersfield was just a bit of a shambles, really. It's lucky that we were away from home because I think, as I said, the atmosphere would have been really, really toxic. Um Considering they've had such a poor start, they didn't play very well and they got the win. We gifted it them really to to some extent. We played okay, but we we need to start winning games on a consistent basis, really. It's it's typical inconsistent Stoke once again. Um our signings have been just as inconsistent, really. 
Um, probably the most successful so, so far of those has been Josh Laurent, um, who's been playing alongside Lewis Baker in the midfield, uh, replacing Joe Allen, I think, which is we've, we've needed to do uh, absolutely after he left for Swansea. Um, he's doing okay. Um, I, I would say that him and Baker are two very similar characters, so getting the best out, out of them may be tricky to make sure we're not, you know, too too box to box in the midfield. Um, Dwight Gale's not done an awful lot for us. You know, he's not even scored yet. Aiden Flint, we're not particularly happy with him as a backup to Harry Suter at the moment. Uh, players like Liam McCarry and Gavin Kilkenny haven't really featured. Harry Clark was doing okay as a right wing back, considering that he's naturally a centre back, but he's injured now and we're looking for a new right back. And we brought in Will Smallbone, who's possibly the most exciting of all the signings so far. Um, and, you know, he played well against Blackpool, and I'm hoping that he might be a live wire in the game against you guys. You know, at home, he looked a little bit uncomfortable away, but at home against Blackpool, he, he looked good. So hopefully he can come a bit more out of his shell for this next game. Is Michael O'Neill the right man? Um, I'm torn. I'm all, I, I've, I've been torn throughout 2022, really, and it fluctuates a lot. And it fluctuates with the inconsistency of Stoke. Like, let's not forget, O'Neill saved us from relegation three years ago. He's brought through so many youth players from the academy, and, and we have to be grateful for him to, to, to giving those players that pathway from the academy. And we've shown glimpses. You know, Blackpool was an excellent performance, and, you know, early last season, we looked really good as well. So you could argue that there's potential there, but you could also say that, you know, he's had three years to build his squad and he's not improved us in any way, shape or form since he kept us up. And you got to wonder, has he hit his ceiling? His his tactics are hit and miss. Um, he doesn't seem to know how to get the best out of his players anymore, which was a huge positive for him when he came in. And, you know, we're going to have a bit more money to spend in the following seasons. Does he deserve it? I'm not sure, considering that he's a manager instead of a head coach and certainly has more power than most head coaches or the equivalent in, in, in modern day football. Predictions for the Borough game. I said after the Huddersfield game, like it's typical that we've lost this and we'll beat you guys who are looking to be, you know, at the right end of the table this season. Um, perhaps you guys have got off to a slower start than you might have wanted to, but then you're still building your squad. I, I think you're well aware of that. Um, is this a good time to play you? Possibly. I think our problem is that we 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 just gift goals away though. We we don't look, you know, we're not being battered by teams. Um, we're just gifting goals away. We're not creating enough ourselves. So I don't know, it depends how strong your defense is going to be and 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 how accident prone they are. Um, because we'll be accident prone ourselves. So it is either going to be a win for you guys or a rather high scoring game, I feel. I'm going to go for 2 2, actually. Um, there'll be changes for both teams, I'm sure. And Stoke may be able to capitalize on that, having a bit more squad depth. But yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's a tricky one. We're, we're low on confidence um, and we, we, we desperately need a, a, a heartwarming result. And getting a draw against you guys who are looking to be, as I say, at the right end of the table will be will be great. Um, but yeah, best luck for the rest of the season, other than Wednesday, of course. Um, and yeah, I'll hopefully see a Stoke City win on Wednesday.
So, guys, we heard from Ben there. What's your predictions for the game on Wednesday night, Tom? Um, you know, I, I think we've got to win at some point, and it'll be Wednesday. You know, they've not had a great uh, start, but they have won their only home game, and I'm still a bit unsure on us away from home at the moment. Um, so a little bit nervous for it, but I am looking forward to watching it, as I, I still am with every Borough game at the moment. It's still entertaining. Um, and hopefully, we, yeah, we can get the first win of the season from uh, from this game on a Wednesday. So I'm going with a 1-0 win. Elliot, what are you going for? Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go for a win also. I think form isn't anything really to go off at this stage of the season. I think, um, you know, small sample size... Um, as we've been saying, you can probably write this on my forehead by that point. Uh, how many times I've said this in the podcast, but I'm going to go with the win. Um, 2 1, I believe. I think from a lot of the things uh, Ben was saying there, they sound very much similar to us in gifting goals and, and the defence being accident prone. So I can't say keeping a clean sheet yet, but I think we've got enough to, to beat Stoke. I don't think um, they've got top end quality players across the, the pitch. Um, you know, the Lewis Bakers. Um, Josh Laurent, Aidan Flint, putting together almost no Borough team here, aren't they? But um, I don't think they're. Uh, I think they're very mid-table signings. I think he alluded to that, so um, I think we're going to capitalise on it in a two-one victory. I think they've got a good win with Flint confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've done it. Yeah, I don't think he scored for us, did he? But he's going to. He's going to get he like, once, like he? he did that time for Yeah, for it was last game against Wilder Sheffield United. Yeah, it was, yeah. Right. Wow, great. One goal, Flint. Nice one. Cheers, mate. It was against Wilder. <laughs> Mint. <laughs> I think Stoker are interesting, though, because I do feel like they've got some good players, but I think there are question marks over Michael O'Neill. Um, I'll probably go 2-1, I think. We'll just, I think we'll concede. It probably will be Lewis Baker um, or in Flint, um, but I think Borough will just about edge it. Well... That is it. Thanks, guys, for joining me on this podcast. Borough are out of the cup, but strike back twice to blunt the blades with the Tuba Akpom redemption train picking up steam. That was the Borough Breakdown podcast, and that was all your Borough match day chatter in a pot. Up the Borough Breakdown.